anything good that we have ever done or will do will not be in and of ourselves. It will be Christ doing it in and of ourselves. Now, it's not us. It is Christ that does, it, does the work. I love the testimony last night of hearing how God has grown this ladies' conference from 36 people was your first one, 33 almost a hundred that's incredible i love seeing christian women come together to praise and worship their savior i can't stand i really and i think god despises when we want to divide each other and we don't want to come together and encourage and lift each other up in his name and it is a beautiful it's a beautiful thing to look out and see in Fernley, Nevada, a hundred ladies coming out to worship our Savior. That's a miracle of God, ladies. I don't know if when we drove from, if you have driven from Las Vegas to Fernley, like as we're driving, I'm like, is there really going to be a place for us to go to? And to see a thriving church and women who are thriving in their Christian walk with God, it is evident that it is only something that God could do. I have a question for you, and I want you to actually answer out loud. I will ask, you know, you can shout it out if you want. What did you want to be when you grew up? You know, like when you're like, oh, you know, you're eight, ten. Maybe some of you say, oh, I really did want to be a mom. Or, oh, you know, I wanted to be a nurse. I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be Barbie. Who? Whatever. What was it? Yes. You want to be a pastor? Oh, a pastor's wife. Okay. I wanted to be a pastor and they wouldn't let me. So I'm like, oh, we can relate. What did you want to be? Yes. Oh, congratulations. She's doing what she always wanted to do. Yes. Oh, Anna, wow. She's a very respectable woman. There's so many interesting things. Oh, <laughs> there's so many interesting things about her story that I'm fascinated with because like historically and biblically where she was in scripture isn't really exactly where she was supposed to be in our understanding. It's a fascinating story. Uh, yes. Uh, you were too tall? Wait, what is that called? You know, there's racism, ageism, tallism, heightism. What is it? What? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Wow. Yes. You want to be a dancer? Hey, do you, do you go home and dance by yourself? I mean, like anybody can do that. That's fun. All right, one more. Yes, chairs. A chiropractor. Yes, she really does want to go. And I'm like, go do it. Then I'll get free work all of my life. <laughs> so for me, I wanted to do quite a few different things. I really did always enjoy ministry. I loved ministry. My parents made ministry fun. We enjoyed it. We loved seeing people get saved. We loved doing ministry together. My parents didn't leave us out of the ministry. We got to do it together. So I always did desire to be in ministry. Um, but I also had other things I wanted to do. I wanted to be a cosmetologist. And I remember when I learned the word and I was like, you know, cause I would tell people, I want to do hair and nails. I want to know how to do all that. And then one lady who was a cosmetologist told me, oh, that's called being a cosmetologist. And so like, I thought I was telling people like I wanted to be a doctor when I would say stuff like, 
I want to be a cosmetologist. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> you know, it sounded so cool and important to me. And it is. I mean, like, I still think those people are amazing. But I want to do that. Later on, when I was in high school, I got a camera. And it was just a small camera, you know, the kind with the film that you had to put in. And I got, it's a, it was a little purple camera. And I used to think that would be neat to be able to learn photography. I would like to be able to do something like that. And it's neat that the Lord now has allowed me, someone actually gave me about five years ago, there was a lady in our church that gifted me a, a professional, beautiful Canon camera that was hers. And she said, I think, yeah, I, I would, and it's a really neat story how God just answered prayer. I just wanted a camera that would take a picture and make it look crisp in the front and blurry in the back. I didn't know it was called the bokeh effect. I didn't know that cell phones would have that effect soon, you know. But I just wanted to do that so I could have that of my own little kids. I wanted it to be able to take those pictures. And I had told my husband about that. And he said, those cameras are really expensive. So I just started praying. And it wasn't even like a daily or weekly. But I was like, God, I'd really like something like that. And a lady then gifted me this camera, like all the bells and whistles, I still don't know how it all runs and works. But it's so much fun because God allows me to use that in our church. And I get to take the pictures at our church and it's so much fun. Like I love showing the highlights of our church. I love it. It's so much fun to me to be like, look what God is letting us do here. And look what God is allowing us to do here. It's something that I adore that God lets me do. Two weeks ago was our church's 45th anniversary, and it was so fun. It was just like a big, exciting party every day when we, we had meetings Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It was just something so exciting. I decided our church is very diverse. Some people dress, you know, super elegantly and some people come in in their scrubs from work and it's just a big mix of everybody and i thought i want to dress up every night of the conference i'm just gonna like i'm gonna just wear my fanciest clothes and just have a great time and enjoy everything so monday night comes and i was wearing a dress that was very similar to this one same brand, everything, very similar. And I had gotten it about five years ago, but I don't wear it very often, but I thought, oh, I like this one. It's, it's, it was, it's a coral color. I just felt elegant in it, right? So I felt pretty. So Monday, I, I, again, I'm taking the photos. Monday, I, it was about 15 minutes till, and I walk around as people are talking to each other. And I snap photos of them, you know, enjoying each other's company. And about 10 minutes till I'm standing right up front and one of my girlfriends comes up to me and starts telling me something. And we're talking and out of nowhere, one of the older ladies in our church who is a seamstress came up to me and she put her hand on my shoulder. And I kid you not, I thought the lady was going to come and tell me, because we have the older ladies in our church, most of them have seen me grow up. So they still consider me like, oh, little charity, you know? So they'll come up, they're the, they're the most encouraging people. They'll be like, oh, charity, you look so beautiful today. Oh, I just love you. And I think I love you too. Thank you. I'm so glad I have multiple grandmas, you know? 
Well, she came up to me, and I'm expecting her to say, I really, really thought she was going to say, Charity, you just look so beautiful. I thought she was going to say, you look beautiful this evening. I really thought that's what she was going to say. And mind you, I'm standing right here in front of our whole auditorium, standing this way, talking to my girlfriend. And instead she says, Charity, whatever you do tonight, don't squat. It's a lot different than you look beautiful this evening. <laughs> and I said, don't, don't squat. She said, right at your bum, you have about an inch and a half hole on the seam right below your zipper. Just like this dress, I'm telling you, right? And I said, okay, don't squat, don't squat, don't squat. So I walked quietly back to the office without as much movement as I could possibly handle. And you know what? When I got back to the office, it wasn't just a hole there. There was a hole that was like two inches on my hip. And I'm like, well, Lord, I won't be prideful any longer. Okay. You know, we all grow up wanting to do different things. I truly think it's neat that God's allowed me to do certain things that I enjoy doing, I wanted to do growing up. He's allowed to, me to put those things into, um, what, into my ministries in life. But you know what? No one that I know of grows up saying, I want to be a servant. That's me. Let me be the servant. I don't know anybody. Do you, do you, I mean, we were, I have worked with children for at least 25 years and none of them. Oh, yes, me. I want to be the doctor. I want to be the nurse. I just want to be a servant. No, none of us. I don't know anyone that says that's what I want to grow up to be. Before we begin, I want you to open your Bibles to Amos, Amos chapter seven. We are gonna be discussing the twisted tale of two servants. It's a fascinating, fascinating passage of scripture. But I want you to understand, it's not just a passage of scripture. It is historical events that are recorded in a Bible that has been accurate throughout the ages. It's not just a story. It's not a fiction made up tale. This actually happened around 600 BC is when this happened. And it's amazing to see what happens with this twisted tale of two servants, Amos, chapter 7. Before we get into this, let's pray. Lord, I pray for the ladies in here. I pray that they will be willing to open their heart to your word. I pray that they will study out these passages themselves when they go home. I pray that they will, that today it will ignite inside of them a desire to study your word more on their own. Lord, I pray that they will find that there is amazing truths in scripture, that there's amazing, fascinating historical facts that you have allowed us to see. So 
our lives can be better. So we can learn from others' mistakes and others that have made wise choices that we can follow them. Lord, I pray that you'll speak through me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you will remove any distraction that I might be. And I pray that people will only see and hear you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. This is how I like to say the story of famous Amos and not so amazing Amaziah. How many of you have heard of Amos before? See, famous Amos, why? He has a book in the Bible, right? That's, that's, as, that's pretty much as famous as you're gonna get. He has his name in the book that has been sold more than any other book in the entire world. So famous Amos, and not so amazing Amaziah. Now, some of us may have heard it sounds like a biblical name. I'm sure we've heard of Amaziah, but probably couldn't tell us much about Amaziah. But the Bible teaches us in Amos chapter 7 some interesting things about these two servants of God. Whoops, there goes my fire sticks. So, Amos, picture Amos. All he is, is a herdsman. He's a herdsman and he has, he, the Bible talks about him going to sycamore trees and he's a farmer. So Amos is simply doing his job. He's doing what he thinks God wants him to do. This is, I go to work. Think of somebody who's a truck driver. I'm a truck driver. I go and I drive my trucks. Think of somebody who's a mom. What do I do? Well, I go and I clean up, spit up, and I wipe bottoms all day long. That's what I do. It's not this amazing job. Amos was a farmer. He was a herdsman. He took care of animals. And the Bible teaches us that God came to this herdsman, to this farmer. He was just doing his job. God came to Amos. And he says, Amos, I want you to go prophesy. And Amos says, you want me to prophesy? I, I'm, just, I'm just a farmer. I'm just a herdsman. I, I pick the fruit and I sell it. You want me to be a, a prophet? He says, my dad, he's a herdsman. Like, this is what we do. We don't go and prophesy. And he says, Amos, my people have fallen my people have rejected me. They're not just not following me. They are rejecting me and they are following idols. They are not just following idols. What these people were doing when God said, it's incredible when you realize how gracious the God of the Old Testament is. God told the Israelites, look, you're gonna go into a land and I want you to wipe out those people. And you think, whoa, why would God wipe out people? He made them. How is he not great? What, what in the world? Those people had already rejected God, not just rejected God. In fact, they were taking their own children and they were taking them to a God named Moloch. Moloch was a statue, a very large statue. You can Google it later and look at what the artist's renditions of these idols were. They were idols, this idol 
would sit and had its arms open and they were metal and there was fire in the lap and the fire would burn and burn and it would burn those arms to be burning red hot and those people would take their children and place their children on those burning arms and sacrifice their children to those demons to appease their God. And God said, they're going to change your hearts towards that God. And then your children are going to be sacrificed and you're going to be sacrificing your children to those gods. And God said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You need to go and wipe them out. They have already rejected me. They don't want me. But they disobeyed. Just like we do. Right? They disobeyed. And when they disobeyed, those people were still there. And the children of Israel were sacrificing their children to those gods. God's children were being burnt on idols. It's disgusting what was going on. And God looks at them and he says, I have to do something. I love my children. I have to spank them. I have to discipline them. Why do I have to discipline them? Because they're hurting themselves. And if I don't come in and discipline them and teach them the right way, then they won't come back to me. And at this time, the, the children of Israel had gone so far, the Bible says, that they didn't even have, they had no, they were hungry and thirsty, and they didn't know it was for God. They didn't even know what it was that was empty, what was void in their life. They had no idea. And God comes to Amos, and he says, Amos, you go prophesy. You go tell my children. You go in and you tell them, I'm going to. He says, I'm going to send grasshoppers. And the grasshoppers, and you think grasshoppers, I'm going to send grasshoppers and they're going to eat every tiny bit of food. And there's going to be a massive famine in the land. So then they will be hungry, but they will turn their hunger towards me. And if you, it's very fascinating. We studied recent, um, my children and I, we homeschool, and we recently studied um, what, what happens when grasshoppers come in the land and locusts. If you Google it, it's amazing, because now we have actual video and footage of when grasshoppers come in and swarm and the desolation that they actually create. It's horrific. You can do that. Go home today and look it up. They come, they, they come, they eat the leaves. If you've ever seen that movie, you know what I'm talking about. And if you have children like I do, they do. They come, they eat, and they leave. And Amos looks up at God and he says, God shows this to him in a vision. He lets him see what it's going to look like in their land. And Amos says, please, God, don't do this. Please, please don't do this. They're not going to be able to make it through all of this. Please don't do this to this land. 
And God said, okay, I won't. I won't do that. Then he says, okay, what I am going to do then is I'm going to send fire and I'm going to burn the land so that it will be desolate. There will be, and he's watching it and watching it and watching it. And unlike it going out like it just did, (laughs) he gets to see what the land of Israel was going to look like with fire consuming their whole land and what was it was going to look like afterwards. And Amos just says, God, please don't. I can imagine as a farmer, he's really thinking, no, do you know how much we can't get this back? He understands. He's not just somebody that does, you know, he's not, he's not a carpenter. He's not, he's not somebody that's doing a different job other than knowing, look, you can't hurt the land. Don't do this. This is our livelihood. And he says, look, Jacob, he calls him Jacob, Israel, the children of Israel, our land, it's so small. There's just, there's not really a ton of us. You're going to just burn us out. Don't do this. And God says, okay, Amos, I won't, I won't do that. I won't send fire. I won't destroy the land. But he says, Amos, I want you to understand And he takes Amos to a wall. And he says, Amos, my people, they are my children. And I expect a certain way out of my children. You know, my parents used to say, I don't care what any other other child does. Their last name's not Tice. Yours is. You're my child. And you represent me. And you represent our family. And that is what God said to Amos. He said, these are my children, and they're not representing me to the other nations. They're not doing what's right. And because they're not doing what's right, they're hurting themselves. And I love them so much that I won't let them do it anymore. And the Bible says he, God shows a plumb line. And a plumb line is simply a measuring stick where they would, they would measure, they would take, like I said, there was a wall. And he said, see this wall? My children aren't measuring up. They are not where they're supposed to be. And he uses the illustration. God throughout scripture uses amazing visuals. And sometimes we don't get to, I mean, he's so visual. He takes these prophets and he gives them visions. And when we think through what these prophets saw, it's incredible. And God says, look, they're not measuring up. They're not doing what what I asked them to do. They're not being the children of God that they are supposed to be. And because of that, I must discipline them. Why? Because I'm a mean, angry God? No, because I love them so much. If I don't discipline them, there's no hope for them. But if I do discipline them, then there's hope for them to come back to me and have the life that I want for them, 
the life that they want, the life that they desire. So he receives this instruction from God. You know what he does? He goes into the city. He goes to where there is a priest named Amaziah. Not so amazing Amaziah. And I just imagine, if you literally saw what he saw, I know if I saw what he saw, and I was going and warning the people, and I was saying, look, you don't know what God said he was going to do to our land. He said he was going to bring grasshoppers. I can imagine in his mind how scary it is. You've seen things on movies that scare you. This is not a movie. God gave him a vision. He actually saw what it was going to be like. How passionate he would have been telling in the city of Bethel, look, this is what's going to happen. You've got to change your ways. We've got to change your ways. God said he's going to send grasshoppers, but I asked him not to. God said he's going to burn down our cities, but I asked him not to. But he said, you guys have to start measuring up to being what God wants you to be for your own sake. And our story picks up in Amos chapter 7, verses 10 through 17. Amaziah, we get to hear Amaziah's response. Now remember, what was famous Amos? What was his job in life before he was a prophet? Herdsman. He dealt with cattle. He dealt with fruit. What did he do? He did the stuff of the land. The Bible says in Amos 7, verses 10 through 17, then Amaziah, what, is, what was he? Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam, the king of Israel. So Amaziah hears what Amos says. And he says, Jeroboam, King Jeroboam, I need to set, tell you something that's really important. Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. Amaziah says, King Jeroboam, there's some bad things going on. Amos is saying bad things about you. The priest, the priest who God could have gone to, but he didn't choose that guy to go to because obviously he was not willing to do the job that he was called to do as a servant of God. For thus Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. And Amaziah said unto Amos, so he tells Jeroboam, so he goes and tattles on Amos. Obviously, Amaziah looked at a worldly king and thought, that's true power. He obviously did not have the relationship with God that he should have. He obviously didn't know who truly reigned on the throne. Also, Amos, Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go, 
flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread and prophesy there. He says, get out of here. By this time, the land of Israel had been divided, and he says, go into Judah, the other side of Israel. We don't want you on this side of Israel. Go to the other side of Israel. Go tell them over there. But prophesy not again anymore in Bethel, for it is the king's chapel, and it is the king's court. I find it interesting that he calls it the king's chapel and the king's court. I wouldn't it be God's chapel. Verse 14, Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, Can you imagine sitting there thinking, Oh, this guy's going to be agreeing with me. He's the pastor. He's the preacher. God's probably told him this first. And he looks over at Amaziah and he says, Look, I was no prophet. Neither was I a prophet's son. He says, Look, I'm, this isn't what I do. This isn't what I've asked God to do. But I was a herdsman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. That was my job. I'm a farmer, man. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people. Now therefore, hear thou the word of the Lord. He says, okay. You didn't hear God's word before. You're going to hear it now. Now, Amaziah, this prophecy is for you. Thou sayest, prophesy not against Israel, and drop not thy word against the house of Isaac. You say, don't prophesy what God's telling you to prophesy. So guess what? Therefore, thus saith the Lord, thy wife shall be a harlot in the city, and thy sons and thy daughters shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided by line, and thou shalt die in a polluted land and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of the, his land. We see two very different servants here. One was a servant of God, and the other was a servant of self. Both lived when God's chosen people were choosing to follow idols. Both were living in a bad time. I could say we, we all are kind of living in a bad time right now, don't we? We have preachers that aren't willing to preach the word of God. We have a corrupt government. We have a corrupt world. Amos was a shepherd, a herdsman, a farmer. Amaziah was a priest. God came to Amos, asked him to prophesy, warned the children of Israel, Look, all these bad things are going to happen. What can we learn from following the example of Amos over Amaziah? Number one, work diligently. Amos was where he was supposed to be. Look at the verse where it says, when he tells them, look, I was tending the flocks. Working diligently at his vocation. Look, are you working diligently at your calling? Amos was just a common herdsman. God used him to do great things for him because he was diligent working where God had him. Look, I don't know where God has you. 
I don't know what your job is. I heard someone was a nurse. I think there's a seamstress in here. I don't know where God has placed you. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, a school teacher, a realtor, a businesswoman. I'm not sure. Whatever it is you're serving in, you should be working diligently. He was tending the flocks and be willing to serve. Is God calling you to serve in your church? Maybe your nursery. Maybe God's called you to teach a Sunday school class or be a helper in your Sunday school class. Or maybe God's calling you to start a public school Bible club. Maybe God is calling you to be the mom that you're supposed to be at home. Wherever God is calling you to serve, we should do it and do it diligently. We need to remember it is found in the mundane is miracles. There truly are miracles in the mundane. The little by little by little, the things that we think are, oh, here I am just doing the same thing every day, another dirty diaper, another another check that I have to send back because it bounced from somebody that I'm and I'm working at a bank, another thing that I have to do at work, another thing. But there truly becomes beauty out of the boring. The thing that we think, oh, all I do is I'm just a stay-at-home mom. That to me is one of the worst statements I ever hear from women. I think you're just a stay-at-home mom? Why don't you think there's more stay-at-home dads? Because it's one of the hardest things in the planet to ever do. It's hard. There is beauty in the boring, and there are hidden riches to be found in routine. Doing the next right thing. Showing up on time to serve at church. Showing up and doing the back work that no one sees. Just like Amos, who just said, I'm just a herdsman. I'm just a farmer, but I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, God. Whoa, now you want me to be the prophet in Israel? Okay, I'm just going to do whatever you want me to do. Number two, listen for God's voice. My son, Lincoln, he's a lot. He's just a lot of a person. He's eight years old. And um, if he, he loves with all of his heart, he like if you see him at church and he loves you, he tackles you. Like, I mean, you have to brace yourself because he comes and knocks you over. He loves the, the men at our church, love him. And he comes up and he's like, they, if there's these huge men and they'll be standing talking. He just... Oh, there's Mr. And he grabs him and they like shake. He is a lot and he is a lot of fun. And I love him to death. And we were invited to go over to our neighbors. And, you know, our neighbors, they don't know Jesus. And what they know of Jesus, they know of us, you know. So our neighbors had invited us over to go swim in their backyard. And I said, hey, guys, Miss Whitney said we can go over and swim. 
and immediately they'd like come down the stairs like herd herding cattle you know boom, 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 boom. and lincoln is the one i thought lincoln stop because <laughs> i thought don't just run over there i have to go over the sermon with you of how you're supposed to act how you're supposed to respond what you're supposed to do and he turns around to me and he says i know don't be an idiot <laughs> And I said, well, yeah, but that's not exactly what I was, how I was going to say it. But he heard my voice. He was listening for my voice. I can tell when my children aren't listening for my voice. I can tell when they've learned to tune out my voice. Amos listened for God's voice. He could have easily ignored God's voice. You know why? I really think he could have easily ignored God's voice and no would have known the difference. Why? Because he's working with the cattle. No one else is going to know that he didn't do what God had told him to do, but he didn't ignore it. He listened. How can we listen for God's voice? Just what we talked about yesterday spending time in his word look be at church be you have a good church here the church that you came with you have a good church a church that's willing to say hey let's take these ladies and go get some spiritual encouragement you got a good church get there be there center your family's life around that place do it it will be the best thing for your family. And don't talk bad about leadership. You know what? Leadership makes really stupid mistakes. <laughs> I know. I lived with leadership and now I am leadership. We make dumb mistakes because we're human. And we need to learn, obviously, to work through those mistakes. But you know, it's really great when the people that are part of your church are helpful and forgiving of those mistakes instead of critics you know that's really helpful to the work of God it's truly helpful knowing hey we are human and we make mistakes as long as we're not living against like Amaziah living against what the Word of God is teaching if we make stupid mistakes we say dumb things be forgiving be forgiving of that. But listen to God's voice. Get yourself in church. Get your children in church. And don't drag them. Don't be like, oh, we have to go to church. No. Hey, we get to go to church this morning. And when they do, when they're tired and they want to play their video games instead of get up and go and, you know, put, put on clothes. You know, I have a kid that's like, I have to leave the house. I don't want to get out of my underwear. You know, like, I have to put something on top of this. I don't want to do that. But those kids tell them, look, remember, we get to do this, and we get to do this, and we get to do this. And remind them, when we drive to church, I see kids all the time by themselves. No one cares about them. And I say, see that kid? Isn't it sad that no one cares to take them to church right now? Isn't that sad? It's amazing that you get to go to church. You get to go and be with other people who love Jesus and encourage that. Encourage it. I'm telling you, your view of church can be amplified, will be amplified in your child. 
they'll either love it so much the more or they'll hate it so much the more. Your attitude about your church and the, and the faculty there will be amplified in your child. So prioritize church, prioritize prayer and Bible study, and again, godly advisors. And that's what I was saying about, we were going to talk a little bit about EFW, but that's why we have it. We have it. And maybe somebody in here, their next step is, God wants you to write for EFW. You know, some people say, you know, I have a story to share. And I want to be able to encourage somebody else. You can do that. You can send me private messages and we will share your devotional. And don't worry if you're like, well, what if it's not very good? We don't we don't put out any of them that aren't any good. <laughs> so don't worry. You don't have to be like, we don't have to be like, oh, oh, it's not gonna be good. No, it'll be it'll be great. And we'll help you out. We can help we edit and everything. But it helps each other out. Amos worked diligently, he listened to God's voice, and he boldly shared truth. You know, the Bible commands us in Mark 16, 15, these are Jesus's words, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let me ask you, when was the last time you shared Jesus with someone? I'm not saying, you know, somebody that you sat down in church with and you talked about church. When was the last time that you were at the grocery store and you pulled out an invitation to your church and it has the gospel on it? I'm not telling you maybe you're you're like, oh, I'm kind of scared. I don't know what to say. I'm just talking about carrying gospel tracts with you. That's what we call them. They're pamphlets that have the address of the church and it has the plan of salvation on it. Do you know it is the easiest thing to do to share Jesus with somebody? It is the easiest. My little four-year-old, it's something that we do regularly. This is something, I'm not telling you to do something that I don't do personally and haven't done all of my life. My little four-year-old, my, she's six now. Um, actually, it was this time, it was just last, this last summer. We were standing in line forever, and there was a lady that kept looking over at us, and kind of, she wasn't smiling. She just kind of looking at us because we had all four of our kids, and we had just come from Sunday morning church, and we were at a rather ghetto Walmart, and we were, very dre- we were dressed very nice, and the lady just kept looking at us, and Felicity came over to me, and Felicity just kind of, and she's not our, like, friendly one. You know, she's not our one that's like, people, people, people. She kind of like observes you and decides whether she likes you or not. And then she lets on whether she does or not. She looked over at the lady. And then she looked at me. And she's six, you guys. And she said, hey, mom, can I get a track from your purse? And I said, yeah, and I didn't know she wanted I'm like, what does she want it for? I didn't even realize she wanted to give it to this lady. And she said, she's like, okay. So she takes it out, and the lady was about where Melinda is from us. So she was a distance away, still close enough, but she, you could tell the lady noticing us, you know. So she went over and she said, here, this is an invitation to our church, and walked away, and the lady said, Thank you so much. I just moved here, and I've been wanting a place to go to church. Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys, 
Giving the gospel out is as easy to be done, it can be done by a six-year-old. Okay? And I'm not saying this to praise up, like, look at what we've done with our kid. I just want you to understand. If you care about people going to hell, because it's a real literal place, study it out. If you care about the souls in Fernley, if you care about the souls in Sacramento, if you care, is that where it's at? Okay. If you care about the souls of Las Vegas, if you care about those souls, carry those gospel tracts with you and hand them out. Invite them. When you have a friendly conversation, you don't have to be a freak about it. You don't have to walk around and be like, here, this is for you. Here, this is you. This is for you. You keep them in your purse. And when you talk to somebody, when you go to the cash register and you say, hey, can I give you something good to read? You don't even, you can be sneaky. You don't have to tell them it's about church. You can say, hey, if you're, my, my dad wrote um, a lot of our tracks. And so I just say, hey, you'll like this. My dad wrote it. You can say, hey, my friend wrote it. My dad would be your friend. You know, you can, you can say, hey, this is something really good for you to read and share Jesus with somebody. Share, decide today that on the way back, that when you stop at the gas station and you use their bathroom for free, well, not free because they've charged $9 million for gas now, but when you go in there and you buy your candy or you buy whatever your snacks, determine, I'm going to leave this gospel track with somebody. Hey, you'll like this. Read this on your break. You'll like it. Do you know, I, do, I really don't know how many thousands of tracks I've handed out, and I probably have, maybe, I want to say, at the most 15 to 20 rejections in my life, in my life. Because most people aren't, no, I don't want this trash. <laughs> there are some. One of, the, one of the little teenagers in our church, they went to Starbucks and they gave it to, gave it, she, she's just starting to drive and she's so cute as the little, she's adorable. And she gave her the track. And the lady said, and they're about to drive off, and she said, oh, I don't want this, and threw it back at them. Now, I tell you that. We joke around about it, her and I. That, out of thousands of times of giving out tracks, that is going to be the one thing that you think someone's going to, and the truth is, so what? That's not persecution. It is not persecution. You know, people are like, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Someone didn't want my track. That's not persecution. (laughs) Go to the third world country where they're not allowed to talk about Jesus. That's persecution. Okay? So be willing to say, God, I'll be your servant and I'll share your truth boldly like Amos did. I don't want the results of Amaziah. You saw his family's results when he didn't follow God, boldly share the gospel. How about your neighbor or your coworker? Do they know you're a Christian? You know, not just a Christian because, oh, they don't say those things. They don't, you know, but they, do they know that, hey, you're more than welcome to come to our church. I would love for you to be at our guest at whatever special Sunday. That's why we have special Sundays at church, not just to entertain our church members, just so you know, this is a secret, okay? <laughs> and we want the secret out. <laughs> The reason we do special fun Sundays is so you have something to invite your friends to. 
so they can come and be like, wow, this is a neat place. These people aren't all freaks. Because that's what the world teaches them, that we are. And then they get to come. So that next special thing coming up, hey, I'd really like, and if you don't have a special thing, it's okay. Church is a special thing. Hey, you know what? I would love for you, if you get a chance, we'd love to. I have this really fun Bible study that I go to. And it's just a neat ladies that sit around and we learn about the Bible. I'd love to have you come with us sometime. Be bold in sharing Jesus. I often tell women that one of the easiest ways to learn how to share the gospel by telling it, like actually sitting down and leading somebody to the Lord, is working in children's ministry. You go into children's ministry because they don't care how you say, what you say, anything. They're just like, okay. So you can mess it up. You can say the wrong passage. You can do something wrong. But you're able to share Jesus with them. Look, my question this evening, this morning, is what kind of servant are you? We're all servants. Are you like famous Amos? Or are you not so amazing Amaziah? He was a terrible servant. And Amos is who we should, we should all strive to be like God, to follow him and be like the servant that Jesus Christ was. That's amazing in the examples of two servants that we see in Amos and in Amaziah. Which one would we rather be like? Look, do you work diligently? Are you listening for God's voice? And are you sharing boldly God's truth with others? Today, for us, there is no more, what will I be when I grow up? We're grown up. We're servants. What kind of servant will you be when you leave this place today? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we get to be your servant. It's amazing to be your servant. It's amazing that you allow us to be your servant. I think about how uh, King David said that he would be willing to be just the, the doorkeeper in your home, just to be the servant of the Most High God, somebody who was a king. Lord, I pray that you will help us to serve. I pray these women will go back and you will ignite fires within them to serve in the area of service that you have them to serve because we are your servants. I pray that they will serve the way you want us to serve, whether that be in children's church, whether that be in nursery, whether that be in ladies' ministry. Lord, I pray that they will know what they're supposed to do and take action to it. For those women in here, Lord, that say, I need to boldly speak truth. Lord, I pray that you'll put someone on their heart even now who they can go back and speak your truth to, someone they can invite to their church, someone that they can invite um, to your church so they can hear about you. Lord, thank you for this time with these wonderful ladies. I pray that you'll continue to bless us. I pray for Mrs. Lynn. I pray that as she speaks in the next session that you'll empower her. Lord, I pray 
for um, Pastor Lynn that you'll remove his headache as well. I pray that you'll just heal him and let him get really rested, Lord. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I pray that this time will be just a joyful time of serving you, even serving each other within the next few hours. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.